we take care of our physical things like our homes, our cars so well, but we don't take care of our bodies that way. You have to think of it the same way. The more that I take care of my body, the more that I do that preventative maintenance, the better my body is going to show up. Welcome to season two of the podcast show with Kaiva Nueva, where podcast growth and monetization continues. Brought to you by Podkai Media, a podcast production and marketing agency that helps functional medicine businesses increase their leads and sales. Visit their website at podkai.com. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the podcast show. And in this episode, I'll be having one of our clients and a certified health and wellness coach as well. She's specializing in breath work and also helping her clients manage their stress and trauma. She's the founder of Move and Still and the host of the School of Healing podcast. And she has a lot of projects. She has courses and also free breathwork exercises. And later on, I'll let her talk more about it. But yeah, I'm really happy that she's here. And for those who don't know yet, the reason why I'm inviting health and wellness experts here in the podcast show is because I want to ask them a lot of things about healing, about self-care, and how we can manage ourselves even more in a healthier way so we can achieve our goals goals. Just to give you a quick preview of what Dom is doing, her mission actually is to educate people about effective ways to manage stress and release trauma from the body using somatic approaches to healing. And from her own experience of childhood trauma, this is actually one of the reasons or one of her motivations in starting this kind of work that she's doing for a lot of people. So yeah, welcome to the podcast show, Dom. Thank you so much. Mm, thank you, Kaya, for having me. I'm excited to be here and to talk with you. Yeah, sure. So let's go to our first question so our listeners would know better about you. A while ago, I mentioned that you are using somatic approaches to healing. For me, actually, when I first heard it, it's kind of jargon for me. And for those people who are not aware of these kinds of health and wellness things, you know, I think that this is also jargon for them. So in your own words, can you explain what somatic approaches to healing means and how does it differ from other approaches? Sure. So thank you again for having me on the show. I'm so thrilled to be here to have this conversation with you. And thank you also for everyone that has listened today to this conversation. So somatic approaches are essentially body-centered approaches or approaches that involve the body in the healing process. The word soma, the root of the word somatic in Greek means body. And so again, somatic approaches are really about how we can bring our body into the healing conversation. Mm -hmm. Typically, when we think about healing, we think Think about talk therapy or cognitive therapy or psychotherapy. All of those things are under the same umbrella. And we only approach healing from the mind. And so what we do is we spend a lot of time processing and talking through the things that happen to us and maybe going back and revisiting those things. But what I have come to learn throughout my own healing journey and just knowledge that I've acquired over the last couple of years is that healing must happen it's a mind-body approach. So it's an integrated approach where we work with the mind and the body. Trauma is stored in our bodies. It's not stored in our minds. And so we have to use somatic approaches that allow us to release the trauma, the stress that is stored in our bodies so that we can truly heal. And 
there are many different ways to healing. It's not a one size fits all approach. There's not one way to approach it. But for anyone who is doing talk therapy, I always suggest somatic or body centered approaches in conjunction with talk therapy, because again, we have to process and work through the things that happen to us, but we also have to give our bodies the space that they need to release the trauma that we're holding on to. Okay, that's so interesting because when I started serving clients from health and wellness industry, that's when I found out that the trauma or the stresses that we have, it manifests in our body. And you mentioned that it's the stresses, the trauma, it doesn't stay in the mind. It stays in the body, right? That's why we have to deal with our body. So regarding somatic approaches, one thing that I actually love about health and wellness is being able to address the root cause of mm -hmm. the issues, mental health issues or physical issues. And also based on your experience as a child, you also had these kinds of traumatic experiences, right? That you mentioned in your episodes, it manifested in your body. So how does that happen? And can you explain to us the possibilities of that? Because here we still have this kind of traditional thinking, right? Mm -hmm. And there is this thinking that if a person acts this way, we normally feel or we normally think that because that's the way he is or that's the way she is, right? So this is really a great point for us to learn and unlearn. So can you please explain that further? Sure. So let's start with the root cause of stress and trauma. Yeah. Yeah. So again, everything that happens to us, our bodies are kind of like a library of our memories and experiences. They hold on to everything until we intentionally release them. And so there's a saying, the issues are in the tissues. And so what that means is that our bodies remember, right? They remember everything that happened to us. And so a lot of times we can have something that's happening physically, whether it's dis-ease or ailments or something autoimmune disease or pain, like these things can be happening in our bodies, but our body is really trying to communicate to us that there's a deeper issue. And so we are physical beings, but we also have energetic bodies. And so everything starts energetically. It starts within our chakras and energy within our body. And so we have to recognize that when things happen, there's always a reason behind what's happening. And so in my case, for many years, I was overweight and I struggled with my weight. And for anyone who's listening that might be struggling with their weight, they know that that can be something really, really hard to conquer, to really lose the weight and to keep it off. And it can feel really, really challenging. What I learned from my own experience is that losing weight was not about finding the right diet. It wasn't about finding the right personal trainer or the right nutrition plan, any of those things. How many macros do I need and counting our calories or points? Losing weight for me was about what am I holding onto energetically that I need to release? And so I was holding onto a lot of guilt, a lot of shame, and that was manifesting physically in my body. And that was showing up in my relationship with food. Food was just a way for me to cope with the stress and trauma that I had not dealt with. And so once I began to work on releasing the experiences, the trauma that my body was holding on to, the weight started to come off very easily. And so again, maybe the problem for someone else is not weight. Maybe they're struggling with some pain or it can be so many things, but we have to understand that our bodies are constantly communicating to us. And 
so we have to, instead of trying to find a Band-Aid solution to our symptoms, we have to take a step back and begin to ask those tough questions. Like, what is my body trying to tell me right now? Because whether it's something that's happening physically in our bodies, such as a disease or an ailment, or it's our emotions and maybe we're struggling with our mental health, our emotions come up for us to process and work through them. But a lot of times we don't do that and we suppress our emotions and we push things down and we don't want to face it. But really those emotions are supposed to be moving through us. That energy wants to move through us. So when we begin to allow ourselves to hold space and to witness how we're feeling in a loving and compassionate way without judging ourselves, then that is how we can get to the root cause of the issues, the things that are trying to come out of our bodies and let ourselves really heal from those things. That's really interesting because like you mentioned a while ago, listening to our bodies, right? It's really important that we listen to our bodies. And I also hear that from other health and wellness experts. But what if the case is you do a lot of things? <laughs> you're a mom, you're a business owner, you do a lot of things, you're everywhere. So how do you do that? How do you cope with that kind of stressor? So I am a mother. I am a business owner as well. And I balance many, many hats outside of those two roles. And I still make time to prioritize myself. I wasn't always the type of person that put myself first. And when I put everyone else before me, it showed up in how I felt. It showed up in how I looked. It showed up in my behavior. It showed up in all the things. And so what I've learned over the last three years is that before I do anything for anyone else, I have to nourish myself first. And so for me, that looks like starting my day with intention, with the morning routine, spending time for myself. Now, I usually wake up earlier than my children so I can have at least one hour to myself. But maybe if someone doesn't have an hour, maybe they start out with 15 or 20 minutes of before you check your phone, before you get to working, before you start with your children, you really have take time to pour into yourself. And so I think that a lot of times when we feel busy, we feel like we don't have the time to make a self-care routine or focus on those practices of holding space for ourselves. But I actually think the contrary is true. When you are super busy, I think that you need to do those things more. When you're super busy, I think you need to rely on those stress management techniques more, those self-care techniques more, because your body is constantly under pressure. It's constantly under stress. And if we don't do those things to take care of ourselves, those self-care modalities, then that is how we end up suppressing things and holding on to things. So I actually encourage if you're someone who's super busy and balancing a lot of things, it's way more important for you to make sure that you make time, even if it's just 15 or 20 minutes to do something for yourself. Yeah, I love it. Because one of the people that I want to share with this podcast with is my sister, <laughs> because you mm -hmm. mentioned a while ago that you focus on others first before you focus on yourself. That was you before. And also I have friends who are moms and we're trying to toggle between tasks. And I think that's really great for them because you're right. If you think that you're busy, that could be a reason why you are starving yourself for mm -hmm. self-care, right? Yeah, that really is a great point. I've been actually trying to build that kind of habit and it's helpful for me but for me it's easier because I don't have my own family yet mm -hmm. that's why yeah this is really helpful for moms like you yeah so speaking to moms specifically because I'm a mother and I've worked with mothers when I was coaching I know that a lot of times we feel mom guilt or we feel bad about making time for ourselves and we think that we have to be martyrs and again put everyone else before ourselves and if there's time left in the schedule now do something for myself but I encourage anyone who feels guilty that's maybe 
a mom to flip that way of thinking and think about how much better you would show up for your children if you felt better. If you felt better mentally, if you felt better physically, you show up differently. You will show up differently. And I can attest to before I was being intentional about making time for myself every day, I was always super stressed out. I was always super emotional and it was really hard for me to regulate my emotions. And what I find now is that, you know, we're dealing with stress on a daily basis every day, whether it's our children, our jobs, traffic, our families, like every single day we are under stress and we are under pressure. And so if we don't do anything intentionally to release that stress, it just piles up and it piles up and it piles up. And that's how we end up in the space of being exhausted and burned out. And so again, I would encourage someone that is a mother to prioritize themselves. It's so much more important because children are challenging, especially if you have young children, they take a lot and they can be stressful. And what happens is again, we end up feeling depleted if we don't make time for ourselves and we don't show up as the best version of ourselves as mothers, as women, as wives if we are burned out and we are depleted because there's not really much to give. So you have a fuller cup when you nourish yourself and you can give from a place that is more full when you do that. Okay, I see. That's really, really interesting because I have a lot of friends in my circle and I'm not yet an expert when it comes to the habits, but I know that it really helped me a lot because I'm also managing my own business. And for me to be able to give my best self to my team, to my clients, to my family, I also have to take care of myself. But it's just that for others, it's really hard to start that, right? Mm -hmm. Especially if they have the mindset that as soon as I wake up, I have to work, 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 work. So How do you think they could gradually start changing that kind of habit? I think that's a great question. And I always say start small and build. So when I was a coach, I was working with women that were very busy and I had to find ways to still help them to incorporate self-care into their daily routines. And you can start with waking up 15 minutes earlier in the morning and again, making some time for yourself before you start your day with your children or jump right into working on your computer. You can maybe take 30 minutes throughout your day to pause and just go for a walk or read a book or dance in your house, whatever you can do. Instead of thinking that we have to put aside an hour or two hours to take care of ourselves, I am someone who advocates for finding small pockets of pause throughout your day that you can spend nourishing yourself and focusing on self-care. And so you can listen to something that's motivating, like for your mind while you're taking a shower. If you're someone that commutes to work, that's a perfect time to listen to something that makes you feel good before you go to work. And so there There are many ways that we can find little pockets of time. If you're loading the dishwasher or washing dishes after dinner, you can be listening to a podcast that helps you to feel good. There are lots of ways that we can do things, even sitting at your desk and maybe you're at an office. You can sit at your desk for two or three minutes and do some breath work, intentional breath work. If you're feeling stressed or overwhelmed, or even if you're not feeling stressed, you can still do breath work and that can help to regulate your nervous system. And so I think that people have to understand that it's not so much how much time you have that's important because you can make small five or 10 minute changes in your day that make a difference. It's not the time, it's the consistency. And so I would prefer someone to spend five minutes every day doing breath work or meditating or going for a 10 minute walk or whatever that is for them, as opposed to feeling like they have to take an hour every single day for what they need to do. The consistency is what builds the habit, not the amount of time that you spend on the habit. Does that make sense? 
Yes, totally. It totally makes sense. It made me so excited when I heard the word consistency because even before I met you, Dom, I actually had a mindset coach and he also mentioned to me that it's important that you do the habit even if it's just one minute per day yep. until you are able to add more minutes to it. So mm-hmm. again, it doesn't have to be big, right? And you can build slowly while you're doing other things. Like for example, you're washing the dishes, you can listen to the podcast, something like that, or uh, while you are in the shower. So that would still work, right? Yes. So when it comes to, if we are working on building habits, so let's say if someone is listening to this and they're thinking, how can I build a habit where I take care of myself better? Again, start with five minutes. I think a lot of times we think, okay, I'm going to meditate every day and I'm going to do it for 30 minutes. And that's not realistic. And then when you don't have the time, you let it fall to the wayside and you don't do the thing. I would say start every day with five minutes. Do that consistently because repetition is what builds the habit. So once you get your body and mind into the swing of the process of, let's say, breathing for five minutes every day and that feels good to you, you start to feel better. You notice that you feel better. You notice that you feel less stressed. Then maybe you increase to 10 minutes and you focus on 10 minutes every single day consistently. So yes, the consistency of the practice is more important than the amount of time when it comes to building habits. So repetition, repetition, repetition. Okay, great. I'm really going to share this with them. (laughs) And also, this is also for me so I can be consistent in building my habit. I also think that it's important to have grace with yourself. So if you are someone where maybe you can't do something every day and you miss Mm -hmm. a day, I don't want someone to listen to this and think that if they don't do something every day, then they're not doing what they need to be doing for themselves. The thing is to set the intention that you want to feel better, that you want to make more time to prioritize yourself. And if you miss a day or you miss two days, it's fine. Just Mm -hmm. jump back in. I think a lot of times when we think about discipline, we think, oh, I need to be so disciplined. And then we feel bad when we aren't disciplined. But I had a meditation coach say that discipline is not doing something perfectly every single day. Discipline is about coming back to the thing. So even if you fall off for a week and you don't take time for self-care, discipline is going back to the behavior a week later and saying, okay, I'm going to restart this. So discipline is about always finding your way back and not feeling guilty if you miss a day or two days or however long. Okay. This is really amazing. I'm learning a lot of things. Okay. I love the intention and Mm -hmm. having race with yourself because yeah, there are really times that we won't be able to do that because things happen. Going back to it when you felt or you have not done it, like for one day or two days, you can still go back to it and continue building the habit. All right. Mm -hmm. So follow-up question going back to the root cause because I'm really interested in knowing about the root cause. I want to know when or how do you draw the line between understanding that this certain characteristic of a person is from his or her root cause or if it's, you know, your root cause versus using it as an excuse? That's a good question. So what we are struggling with is going to be different from person to person. But again, it's always about like tracing those breadcrumbs back to the start of the thing. And so let's say, for example, if you are someone who struggles with anxiety, let's go with that. So typically with anxiety, it's like the mind starts racing and it's overwhelmed. And then you start to have anxiety or, you know, like you feel like there's a lot of stress and pressure on you. Going back to the root cause is number one, paying attention to the patterns and the triggers. So what are the things that cause me to be triggered? And when you notice the things that cause you to be triggered, anxiety is in the mind. And so you can begin to ask, okay, so I noticed that when X happens, 
you know, I have anxiety. You can begin to ask questions to say, where did this come from? Like, when did I start having this anxiety? When did I start becoming overwhelmed by this? Because there might be a story that your subconscious mind is holding on to about you being in danger or you being in a threatening situation. And it has this habit of responding the same way every time. So what I have found helpful in my own journey is that when I notice that I feel a certain way or I'm thinking a certain way, to start asking questions about when did this start? Where did that come from? Because you might be holding on to a belief internally that is not serving you something subconsciously. And so you can look at, again, trace the patterns and look at that belief and start to think about how you can begin to reprogram your subconscious mind. Another thing is if you always feel a certain way in your body, maybe start to ask, when did I start feeling a certain way in my body? What causes me to feel a certain way? And then maybe finding out that you have certain stressors or triggers and really paying attention to the things that set you off. Following those breadcrumbs again can be a really helpful process in getting to the root cause of things. So we typically want to find a solution to something. And so we treat the symptom of something. But if you start kind of tracing the patterns and asking the questions that helps you to get to the root cause of the things that your body is trying to communicate to you. What I am getting is if you heighten your awareness in Mm. knowing what your patterns and your triggers are, it could lead you to better understanding yourself why this is happening and it could minimize you from making it as an excuse. Is that right? I love the way that you said that. That was so much better than what I said. Yes, that is exactly what I was trying to say. See, you're so good at this. And that's that's why we get along well together because I'm like, yes, that is it. Building self-awareness is the most important step in tracing the root cause of something. In order to build self-awareness, you have to, a lot of times we're disconnected from our bodies. And so our bodies might be trying to communicate to us, hey, something is off. And so I'm yeah. gonna have an, feel anxiety right now or I'm going to do a certain thing because I'm trying to tell you that something is off. But if you're disconnected from your body and you don't feel when your body is communicating things to you or you ignore those things, it can be hard. So building a reconnecting with your body and building that connection with your body is how you begin to establish that self-awareness. Okay, right. That's another work, right? That you have to do building self-awareness. It is work. But again, I think for me, when it came to, let's just use emotional eating for an example, Mm. I would start to notice my patterns. When do I want to overeat? It was either when I was stressed or if I was bored or, Mm. you know, if I felt upset about something, like it was a way to bring me comfort. And so I started paying attention to the patterns and the times where I want to eat and snack on things or whatever it was for me. And by building self-awareness, I began to notice, okay, so when I feel stressed, I want to overeat. How can I begin to establish a different pattern when I feel stressed? So instead of overeating, maybe I can take three minutes to do some breath work just to let those emotions pass okay. through me and to let my nervous system calm down. Um, but again, that that comes with asking questions, paying attention mm-hmm. to the patterns and the triggers. Um, and again, like you said, building self-awareness with yourself. Okay, right. So yeah, I'm just summarizing. So asking questions and then doing breath work in between and also building self-awareness. Yeah, I, you know, I think that it's important for people to find what works for them when it comes mm. to replacing mm. coping mechanisms. So okay. maybe breath work is your thing. I love breath work, but maybe mm. breath work is not your thing. Maybe you prefer to go for a five minute or a 10 minute walk if you feel stressed instead of going to the old behavior that is no mm. longer serving you. Maybe you want to journal about it. So I think each person has to find the thing or things that work mm. for them. And then learn how to resource themselves in those moments where they feel triggered, however that shows up for them. 
I see. Okay, now I want to jump to the next question about divine downloads because you mentioned that in your season one, episode one, that's your intro episode, right? And the reason why you were able to create the School of Healing podcast is because you got divine download, right? Mm-hmm. And actually, it's a weird experience for me. It was a magical experience for me. I shared that to you, right? That I did breath work. And mm-hmm. you know, there was a voice, random voice, but the intention <laughs> of that voice is, you know, that it's for you. You know, that it's scaring, you know, that it doesn't harm you. That's why it's like when you hear that, you're speechless, but you know the intention is good. So yeah, where does that come from? And how do you explain those divine downloads or inner voices? Yeah, so I love this question so much. And I was laughing because you said it was like a random voice. And I'm yeah. like, it's not random. It's because oh, okay. we have become disconnected from ourselves, mm-hmm. like disconnected from that voice. So when we all come here, right? Like we are all spiritual beings having a human existence. So we come here with the soul. We come here with the higher self, like an inner version of ourselves. We have our physical body and then we have our subtle body, which is the mind body. And then we have the causal body, which is the most deep layer. And we have the physical, causal, subtle. The subtle body is the inner body. So that's like our soul. That's where we hold all of the wisdom. That's where we hold our past life experiences, all of those things. And so that voice is like a compass and a GPS system for us that each of us have the ability to tap into. You might call it intuition. You might call it your soul. You might call it your higher self, whatever you want to call it, however you identify. We all have that wisdom inside of us. What happens is we come here as children We're very tuned into this voice. And then we learn to seek answers externally. So we go to our parents for the answers, or we go to our friends or our teachers, our communities, our family members, and we stop listening to ourselves. And we are no longer connected to what feels in alignment with us, our inner being, our intuition. We are more focused on where can I find the answers externally or where can I get the validation that I need in this moment? And the more that we seek our answers or external validation, we lose touch with that inner voice, right? And so for you, you're saying that's a random voice. That voice has always been here. It doesn't go away. It's just, it gets washed out or overcrowded by the mind and by the outside world. And so what happens is when you start to hold space, which is what you did when you did that breathwork practice, when you start to hold space to reconnect with yourself, that voice now has the opportunity to communicate with you. What is right now might feel like a random voice. The more that you hold space in breath work or meditation, like those sacred practices, the louder that voice becomes, the easier it becomes to tune into that voice. Again, each of us have an individual compass or almost like a blueprint that our soul has come here for. And so when we learn how to be still and embrace stillness and just allow that voice to communicate, we find ourselves in alignment with the path that we're supposed to be living because now we're being guided by our soul or intuition. And so it's not our ego saying, do this, do that. It's our heart. It's our inner being saying, do this and do that. And you'll notice that things fall into place much easier. So those divine downloads that you mentioned that I love to talk about come from our inner being or our intuition. Again, whatever resonates with you is, is what you can call it. And they're like ideas. I know that something comes from my intuition based on when I receive it. So if I'm doing breath work or if I'm doing meditation, like something in that where I'm holding space for myself and I get an idea, I know that that's a divine download. If I'm 
doing something where I'm distracted or I'm feeling stressed out and I'm trying to find a solution, that's not the best time for me to tune into my intuition because my mind is in a place of survival and it's trying to find the answer. And so I have learned that whenever something comes to me during meditation, nine times out of 10, that's going to be a divine download. That's going to be a solution for whatever situation in or whatever answer you might have been looking for. And so when I was meditating last January, actually, it's been a year now, I was doing restorative yoga, not meditating. I was doing restorative yoga one day, which is restorative yoga is a yoga practice where you don't do much movement or postures. You just lie down with blankets and bolsters and it's beautiful. Like it's just kind of like a big hug and you just prop all of these things around your body and it's a way to calm your nervous system. So I was doing restorative yoga and I got a divine download to start the podcast. And the name of the podcast came to me, like all of these ideas for the podcast came to me. And I knew that that was not coming from my mind because I was never thinking about starting a podcast. It wasn't something that I was thinking, oh, I want to start a podcast today. It was literally like dropped into my mind. And it was such a clear voice in my head that I was journaling everything that was coming to me as it was being said. So when you have those moments where something feels like it comes out of nowhere and you're like, where the hell did this come from? Those are divine downloads. And we have to learn to hold space for more of those opportunities. So the more you do breath work, the more that you meditate, again, the easier it becomes to hear that voice and the easier it becomes to follow the path that feels most in alignment for you. Okay, I know that right. was a very long answer. Yeah, mm-hmm. but actually I was kind of having goosebumps a while ago because it was my first time to do breath work and I already had that kind of experience. That's why mm-hmm. when you were explaining a while ago, I was remembering my experience. I was having goosebumps. But mm-hmm. talking about breath work, Because we normally breathe, right? Yes. (laughs) But how does that differ? And what are the advantages of breath work? And how does it connect to you on a soul level? What's the magic behind breath work? (laughs) Breath work is the act of conscious breathing. And it is a healing modality that allows us to heal ourselves on a cellular level. So we are made up of trillions of cells. And when we breathe the breath, this prana, which is called in yoga, prana, it's our life force. It goes to all of the cells in our body and it's able to heal us and repair and restore us on a cellular level. So right now, as we're having this conversation, you and I are both breathing. And we don't have to think about it, which is really beautiful because if we had to think about breathing, could you imagine what that would be like? We have so many things going on. So it's beautiful that it's an automated process that our nervous system takes care of for us, but breath work is the act of conscious breathing. And so instead of me just letting my body breathe automatically, when I engage in breath work, I'm consciously changing the way that I breathe. And so I might be taking really deep breaths and then exhaling very slowly, or I might be breathing fast because I'm tired and I want to energize my body. And so essentially like the simplest way to explain breath work is that we breathe consciously, we control our breathing. And when we do that, it allows us to again, heal ourselves on a cellular level, which is a really beautiful process because our cells are constantly restoring themselves. And so every time we breathe, we're restoring ourselves, we're releasing things that our bodies might be holding on to. Breathwork is really beautiful for releasing stored stress and trauma, traumatic experiences that you might be holding on to. So it goes in again on a very deep level and allows you to just release things that your body is holding on to. So how does it connect on a soul level? But I think you kind of answered that already because 
you mentioned that it allows the cell to renew. Is that the term for that? So I will answer that question a little bit differently. So going back to what I was talking about with intuition, when you breathe, you connect to your intuition. It's like quieting the mind and dropping right into the heart and getting those answers that you have been looking for. Maybe there's a question, maybe like you're in a job that you don't feel good about and you're like, oh, I want to leave this job, but I don't know what to do. And you're thinking about it in your head and you're trying to figure out, well, should I leave? And your mind is like, no, stay because we need money. And if you leave, you're going to like be out of your house and poor, like your mind is programmed for survival. That's it. That's the number one thing that our minds are here to do. Keep us safe and keep us alive. So if you approach life from just the mind, you're always going to be operating in your comfort zone and never tapping into like your maximum potential. When we breathe, we tap into our intuition. We tap into our soul for guidance and your soul is going to give you the answers that align with the path that is greatest for you. So breath work, I always say is a great way to quiet the mind and tune right into the heart. And just like you said, that random voice, if you're someone who's used to always being in your head, I used to always be in my head and I would always be confused about what should I do? And should I do this? And what direction should I take? And all of these things, breath work for people that are overthinkers, are always in their heads is great because you can quiet the mind, all of the noise, all of the chatter, all of the confusion. And then you drop into, like I said, your heart and your intuition and you gain that clarity that you need. So it's a way to provide clarity. It's a way to remove like the mental fog. And I love breath work because I am someone, like I say, used to have a really hard time with clarity. I would always look to everyone around me for the answers and I wouldn't follow my own judgment or my own guidance. And over the last like year and a half of doing breath work, I typically make my own decisions without needing to have someone else validate what I should do, if that makes sense. So it's made me like the captain of my own ship. You know what, just hearing you, I don't know if you see me, but it makes me breathe deeper Mm. (laughs) because I am understanding very deeply the benefits of breath work. And since Mm. I'm actually doing it in a couple of days, I feel like I am in a better place. Or yeah, it just makes me feel better because you explain it really thoroughly and I start to understand more about the benefits of breath work. So another benefit of breath work is that it repairs the body. When we are overwhelmed and dealing with stress on a constant basis, or maybe we have stored traumatic experiences in our bodies, our bodies are just kind of all out of whack. Breathing is off. We breathe only from our chest. Our body is in a constant state of fight and flight. And the way that your body responds when it's in a constant state of fight or flight, it's not the optimum performance. So when we participate in breath work on a consistent basis, it's not just like a one-time fix. When you breathe for five minutes every day or 10 minutes every day, what happens is the breath starts to repair and restore the body. And so breath work also regulates your nervous system. And so instead of living in a constant state of stress, fight or flight, dealing with feelings like anxiety, depression, like overwhelm, burnout, your body begins to reset and come back into a place of balance that's known as homeostasis. So breath work is great for bringing you back into balance. It turns off the sympathetic nervous system, which is fight or flight, 
and it turns on the parasympathetic nervous system, which is our rest and digest or rest and restore mode. When the parasympathetic nervous system is on, the body now has time to go in and take care of all of the things that we need to function without being in a constant state of stress and survival. And so that is another reason why I think breath work is so important because again, going back to the root cause of things, if your body is constantly stressed, it's going to be showing you physically by you being tired or not feeling well or having digestive issues or, you know, whatever the case is. And again, going back to the root cause of things, maybe you're stressed and your nervous system is activated and your body is trying to say, hey, you're stressed, like you need to take care of yourself better. So when we practice deep breathing or breath work, consistently, we help to reset our body's functions. And again, we perform and we feel better because our body is now functioning the way that it is intended to function. That's amazing. But do you suggest that people do it every day, like five minutes only, or it can be in between? Uh, Like for today, breath work tomorrow, meditation? I think you have to find what works for you. So if you are someone who's constantly dealing with mental health challenges and emotions, Mm -hmm. it might be something for you to practice more consistently to help regulate and repair, restore your body. Once you get to a place where you're like, okay, I'm feeling pretty good. You still want to do it like often enough, but maybe you don't have to do it every day. Maybe it's three or four times a week. For me personally, I practice breath work every day because I look at it as preventative maintenance. It's like going to get an oil change on your car, going to get a tune up on your car. If you take care of the car, the chances of something going wrong with the car are going to be less. But if you never get the oil change, if the check engine light comes on and you ignore it and you keep driving, if you need new tires and you're not doing anything about that, If the car is running hot and you're not paying attention, eventually the car is going to shut down. Mm -hmm. Our bodies are the same way. I'm going to go get an oil change. I'm going to make sure that my car, my tires are repaired. I'm going to go get a tune up. We take care of our physical things like our homes, our cars so well, but we don't take care of our bodies that way. You have to think of it the same way. The more that I take care of my body, the more that I do that preventative maintenance, the better my body is going to show up. So for me, I'm dealing with situations that I'm a mom. Again, that is a lot of stress some days because I have a three-year-old and a six-year-old. So for me, I know that in order for stress not to pile up and for me to get to a place of burnout, I practice breath work every day to release stress every day because I experience stress every single day. You know what? I feel like we're just getting started because (laughs) I am learning a lot from you. Thank you so much, Dom. But yeah, we don't have much pleasure of time, but I still have a couple of questions here. I'll just ask it quickly. Sure. And I'll answer quickly. Now I want to ask you because the podcast show is also a platform that I would like to use to encourage more health and wellness experts amplify their voices because you just don't have, I mean, is I want to let you know that you influence us a lot. Oh, thank you. You don't have any idea on how we are able to learn a lot from you. Actually, a while ago, we had a recording with my team. Mm-hmm. And the last question I asked them is, what's the one word you have for this year? And mm-hmm. your writer, Kat, she answered authenticity. And she said it's because mm-hmm. of Dom. She was inspired. So <laughs> yeah, I just want to let you know that yeah. how powerful and helpful you are. When it comes to just discovering ourselves and having the chance to know better when it comes to healing. (laughs) So, yeah. And my question is, uh, why do you think the world needs more people like you? 
<laughs> mm. Thank you for that comment. First of all, I really appreciate you giving me my flowers because I think sometimes when you are working in a space such as this and you're talking to people about hard conversations, you can be questioning like, should I be doing this? Are people receiving this? And so I really appreciate you saying like, yes, we're receiving it. Why should more people be in the space of healing? Is that the question? Yes. I think that we all have to understand that we have had stressful and traumatic experiences. So I talk a lot about trauma and then I think people can disconnect and think, oh, I didn't have anything traumatic happen to me. But all of us have experienced trauma, whether it's personal trauma, whether it's trauma that we've inherited from other generations because we can pass trauma through our families, like intergenerationally, whether it is things that we see on television. I live in America, right? And I'm a black yeah. woman. Black people get shot and killed all the time by police. Like those are traumatic experiences and not just for black people. Those are traumatic experiences for everyone. Yeah. So even if you think in your head, like, oh, this doesn't apply to me. I don't have anything to heal because I haven't had traumatic experiences. Your body has trauma. So we should all be doing the healing work because we all have things to heal from. Again, whether it's generationally where you inherited something from your mother or your grandparents, you know, the beliefs that we have, like all of those things require healing. And so the short answer is that we all got to do the healing work because we all have things that we need to heal from. What that looks like from person to person might be very different, but each of us has work to do. It's just like how our souls our design. We come here to have this human experience and to release baggage that our souls are holding on to. And so everybody needs to heal because that's a part of our evolution as a human. Okay. That's lovely. Oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Okay. So another question, I'd like to take this opportunity to ask if our listeners are health and wellness experts and they want to build something, what you're building right now, they want to amplify their voices. Do you think that it's really necessary to have a team behind you help you execute the work? So a year ago, maybe two years ago, I probably would have answered this question very differently because I was trying to do everything myself. And when you reached out to me last year, I was still in that place of, I don't know how I can afford to hire people to help me because I'm a solopreneur and I'm doing everything myself. But making the investment in my business and myself, because it was two of those things, I invested in myself and my business when saying yes to work with you. It has helped me so much. Your team has freed up time for me to now focus on what is my zone of genius. It has given me time to focus on the things that bring me more joy that I'm good at doing at. Like I taught myself how to edit podcasts and how to do all of those things. I know how to do it, but is that the best place for me to spend my time? No, there are other things that I enjoy and that I can be doing better to build my business that's going to generate more income, things of that nature. And so a lot of times we might think, oh, I can't afford it or it's not the right time or I can do everything myself. But you cannot grow to the big picture by yourself. Every millionaire has a team. You don't accomplish big goals on your own. So you can get there, but it might take you longer. How are you going to feel? You're going to feel stressed out and overwhelmed. Or you can invest in people to help you, whether it's podcast help or whatever help you need. And you're going to get there a lot faster and you're going to feel a lot better in the process. You will enjoy the journey a lot more, not being so stressed out and overwhelmed, feeling like you need to do everything yourself. Okay. So I think everyone needs a team. Short answer. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for answering that question, Dom. And the last question that I have for you, okay, for a business owner, for an entrepreneur, a freelancer, or people from different walks of life, right? If they want to be successful in life, what do you think is that one main thing that they should never neglect and they should invest on? 
for them to reach their own definition of success. I want to go back to this whole team building thing. So I'm looking down because I have this book right now that I'm about to start reading called Who Not How. And so this book is about not thinking, how can I get there? It's thinking about who do I need to get there? So I am going through a whole like belief system change and like just letting go of a lot of paradigms and beliefs that I've held for a long time about how I can become successful. I've always been a one woman show and thought that I had to do everything myself. And there were a ton of reasons why I existed that way. I can't afford it. My business isn't big enough. Like all of these things that we tell ourselves. But what I'm learning is that the vision that I carry is way bigger than me. It's impossible for me to accomplish myself. So self-care for me looks like figuring out who do I need to help me to actualize this vision? It's not so much thinking about how I do it. And so right now, as I'm thinking about building out the podcast and building out my business and launching Nourish, another business, I'm not thinking, how do I do this? I'm thinking, who is around me that I can pull in right? Who on my tribe and my community that I can pull in that can help me accomplish this? When I have people that are helping me, guiding me, supporting my vision, I feel better mentally, physically, and emotion because I now have more time to invest in self-care and taking care of myself and replenishing myself. So I would say that I am learning that for me, at least the number one way to be successful is realizing that you are not intended to do it alone. And so your team coming on and helping me with podcasting has freed up so much mental space to focus on other things. I was really stressed with trying to balance the podcast and promoting the podcast and managing that with all of the other things. And so working with you, like I tell you all the time and your team has just been a godsend when you popped into my inbox, I ignored the first email and then you came back and you followed up, which is always so helpful for me. But when you followed up, I was like, well, let me just like see what this conversation is about. And now that we work together for, I think like three or four months, I can't imagine not working with you because you have just freed up so much mental space for me to focus on other things. And now I don't have to feel as stressed. So I think don't do it alone. Find people that can help you and start small. Maybe it's a personal assistant when you start and then you continue to expand, but find ways to invest in people to help you. Okay. Thank you so much, Dom. I learned a lot and I'm taking down notes here, actually. The words here, you know, consistency, grace with yourself, intention, you know, asking questions, self-awareness, a lot of things. This is actually a great aha moment for me and a relief for me because I can't explain it. But like I mentioned a while ago, I feel like starting doing the breath work, <laughs> it really helps me a lot. And I, I'm growing. I'm growing yeah. because I'm taking care of myself. So thank you so much, Dom. So can you, I know your links, but yeah, I want you to let people know <laughs> where they can find you. And if you have anything that you'd like to share with them. So I am on LinkedIn and Instagram most heavily. I'm on Facebook, but not as much. But on all three of those platforms, I'm Dominice R. Clifton. And I want to share for the women that are listening that I am launching a new wellness membership community called Nourish Wellness Collective. And it's going to be a community for women to really have 
time to hold space for themselves. And so we'll be meeting on a daily basis to do short breathwork sessions and to spend time going over our goals and holding ourselves accountable for the life and the desires that we have. So there will be a lot of different services that are offered by different instructors, yoga, breathwork, you know, meditation, all of those sorts of things. And so if you are someone who wants to start making time to nourish and take care of yourself and you're not sure where to start, I would encourage you to check out the Nourish Wellness Collective, which is going to be launching March 1st in honor of Women's History Month. And again, it's a self-care community for women to nourish themselves on a consistent basis. And so we will include like all of the show notes and information. And then again, if you want to stay connected, I'm on social media as Dominice R. Clifton. Yeah, we'll definitely add Dom's links in the show notes. <laughs> so again, that's launching on March 1, right? Yes. <laughs> I like that deep breath. <laughs> All right. So this has been a great show or a great conversation with you, Dom. I really appreciate it. I know that you're busy. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Thank you so much. So yeah, thank you listeners. And I hope to have you again next week. Again, this has been Kai by Podguy Media. And yeah, we're helping people heal one podcast at a time. I'll see you again next time. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode. If you need help growing and monetizing your podcast, don't forget to visit podkai.com and book a call with us. We want to know more about you.